Hello, and welcome back to this year's first episode of Meta Hour. I'm Ben Stanley, and this is the year 2022. We're only on the third week of the year, but it feels like everything is already moving very fast. 2021 was already a blur, and this year doesn't feel like it's going to be much different. I'm not really even sure I'm able to put my finger on why time seems to be going by at such an accelerated rate. Yes, COVID has obviously taken a toll with disruption of our normal routines, but I feel like we've adapted for the most part to that change. Yet, still a week goes by, and it's hard to keep track of what happened in the world or what I even had for breakfast today. For 2022, I'm trying to make at least one memorable point in time each week in order to stay anchored to the passing of time. Last week's memorable event was falling over while playing Ancient Dungeon on the Oculus Quest. I had been experiencing some pretty intense motion sickness trying to navigate the dungeon, and I read that jogging in place was supposed to help that feeling. Turns out it doesn't. It just makes you even more confused, and over I went. But Ben, what's happening in the metaverse? Well, a lot and a little, all at the same time. If you didn't already know, the Consumer Electronics Show, CES, was the first week of January in Las Vegas. And if anything points to the current state of fever around the metaverse, it was the overwhelming usage of the term metaverse on everything. It's made trying to stay current with the real metaverse developments, kind of like playing that rubber ducky game at the fair where you have to keep picking up ducks hoping one of them has a gold star on the bottom and you win a prize. If you haven't already heard about CES, it was a week of metaverse name dropping, from TVs that were on the metaverse to wearables to nondescript industrial comments that somehow connected you to the metaverse. As we're continuing to see, I think at this point it's safe to say the term metaverse officially spans a significantly broader sense than what we would expect it to. And we're going to have to endure the term getting tacked onto everything in the future as companies try to keep their products relevant. But not everything out of CES was metaverse fluff. Sony's official announcement of the PSVR 2 is very exciting for the console gaming world. This fits right into the first of our top 10 predictions of 2022, with the expansion of hardware options. The PSVR 2 should bring an upgraded set of lenses, better cameras, plus haptic feedback. And the PSVR 2 can take advantage of the PS5's hardware, which will give its games and apps a level up over the Oculus, which is running native Oculus apps. No release date yet, however, for the device. NVIDIA also had a big announcement, which we're likely to see expanded on over 2022, the official release of their Omniverse platform and development tools to the public. Their hope is that this platform and its collaborative tools will be the building blocks of many different virtual worlds. It has long been believed that NVIDIA and Unity were going to be the base at which a navigatable metaverse would be built upon, and officially releasing their Omniverse platform is a step towards that. Maybe time to get some NVIDIA stock? But CES is old news now, right? Three weeks ago, might as well be five years ago. And with everyone now using the term metaverse simply to try and avoid missing out on the hype surrounding it, how do we know what's really metaverse growth and what's just marketing buzzwords? Today, it was announced that Microsoft plans to buy Activision Blizzard Incorporated for $69 billion. Billion. This would put Microsoft as the third largest game developer behind Tencent and Sony. Activision makes games like Call of Duty, but the news articles covering the deal are saying this is a metaverse-related purchase. 
even though nothing about the company is really metaverse related. Except, of course, that gaming is still being seen as the main driving force into the metaverse, and the underlying 3D engines that create those games as the base which the metaverse will be built upon, just like what NVIDIA released with their Omniverse development platform. I feel like every week we define the term metaverse, but for this fresh start to 2022, let's look at it again. The original concept of the metaverse, as coined in the 1992 book Snow Crash, was a fully immersive 3D virtual reality world, accessible via goggles and headsets that characters could interact in as if they were in the real world. The metaverse was controlled by a single man who reigned over the network fiber infrastructure that allowed access to the metaverse. Our modern-day definition is very similar, except the hope is that whatever metaverse ends up at, it is decentralized, much like the internet is, and not owned by a single person or corporation, <coughs> Zuckerberg. But either way, the main theme that the concept of the metaverse carries is that it is an alternate digital universe you access visually and interact with in both time and physical purpose. And a key point being, you don't need to exit one platform and enter another. They are all interconnected, just like a web browser accesses websites universally. However, a metaverse according to that definition is going to take a very long time and is not what we're going to see in 2022. What we're likely to see more of in the next few years are small standalone games that claim to be metaverses but really are only 3D avatar-based worlds, that lack the real sense of immersion that VR or even AR glasses bring. With VR, we will surely see office meeting spaces and educational experiences like virtual classrooms, but even those will be lacking the network interconnectedness required for the metaverse. So, what does this all mean for the advancement in 2022? Not a lot, really. We're likely to have a boom and bust cycle like any tech bubble. These small startups, or even big companies, trying to find a metaverse connection will fizzle out, while the core technology gets slowly built out over time. Recently, companies like Walmart and Ralph Lauren who have the resources to wager in the unknown, have both announced a push into the metaverse. Walmart has filed several trademarks showing that it is planning on creating their own cryptocurrency and NFT collections. The speculation is that their new virtual currency would then be used in a virtual goods and NFT marketplace. And these virtual goods could be used with whatever virtual worlds or platforms become popular. The point is, Walmart isn't trying to create a metaverse. Granted, they may create virtual shopping experiences in the future, but they're hedging on having the technology in place to be prepared for the next generation of shoppers and how they'll consume products. The next phase of young shoppers is also what Ralph Lauren is banking on. They too are setting themselves up to have branded products available in existing NFT marketplaces or custom-built lands in existing virtual worlds like Roblox. Ralph Lauren launched their Roblox line in 2021, and it follows similar successful campaigns from Adidas and Nike. The thing about these brands launching digital goods and NFTs is that it's really not that complicated to do. Building a metaverse platform requires years of work, but the process to set up a series of digital goods or NFT goods or even a cryptocurrency dedicated to a brand can be accomplished with very little investment in terms of development and time. Any brand can do this today, and it's why hundreds of millions of NFT artworks and thousands of cryptocurrency coins exist, most of which are totally worthless. So while all these companies are releasing all their hot news about metaverse products, it's not really advancing the metaverse directly. It's just tagging on to existing infrastructure that someone else is responsible for setting up. 
This week, I wanted to look at how Meta, Facebook, is starting to define their progress into the metaverse as they have acquired a very long list of patents related specifically to the development of their rendition of the metaverse. Those patents are set up to monitor our facial movements in order to mirror them on 3D avatars. From small twitches of our mouths to subtle blinks to creasing of our foreheads, all this can be captured by what they are saying forward-facing cameras or sensors and then relayed to our corresponding avatar in a 3D space. Right now, if you try to interact with someone in the VR world, it can be a comical experience. No platforms are set up to really capture human movements, and faces are all static. It makes dialogue feel like a badly dubbed movie, and is very sterile to say the least. Even though we're very adept to speaking on the phone, while talking in VR, watching an expressionless avatar makes the conversation harder than if we were just hearing the same thing without the visual. But if we could start to see some human expression and mouth movements to match the words, it would transform the experience a hundredfold. Just think about the state of motion capture now on animated movies and video games, where the faces of people are so close to lifelike, that if you could have your face scanned and recreated in 3D, and then animated to match what you were doing in real life, you would be able to have a full immersive conversation in venues or offices or schools all over the world. You may ask, but why do we need virtual versions of ourselves when we can do video chat right now on Zoom or Teams? Well, personally, I am not a fan of video chat. It's tiring for one. You are always staring at one place on your screen and trying to take in everyone's video feed all at once. This creates a sense of being on display at all times. If you imagine sitting at an office table, everyone is paying attention to the one person who is speaking at the time. Everyone is not paying attention to everyone in the meeting at all times. A VR meeting would allow natural breaks in being on display, but it would also allow natural head movements to focus on one person, and then that one person can see everyone looking back at them, as opposed to the eye lines being all off from looking at someone in Zoom, but the camera is above your monitor, so you never know if you're looking at the camera or the pic of the person talking. But facial tracking's real benefit to Meta is not the ability to mirror our movements in virtual world, but it is, of course, to earn revenue. If Meta is monitoring your facial movements and your eye movements, including pupil dilation and responses, it can effectively not only track what content you are interested in or not interested in, but it can also tailor that content on the fly to get or keep your attention. If you are walking down a virtual street and Meta is displaying an ad, it can know straight away if your field of view can see it. So it can move the ad placement if need be. It can also know if you're interested in the ad by sensing your pupils and your attention on that ad. So if the content isn't working, it can quickly swap ads until you react more positively towards it, or simply increase the ad's contrast so you can see it more clearly against the rest of the content around it. And ultimately what this means is they can essentially program our experiences. So we teach them what we like, and then they start to lead us on an advertising paths because they know us better than we know ourselves, as all this data they've collected is based on our subconscious behaviors that we're not even aware of. And in the end, we're buying products we don't even really want, but we've been trained to want to consume. We are likely to see other companies falling in line with similar patents in order to capitalize on what will be the biggest advertising boom we've ever seen. And while this might seem unfortunate, it's this type of development in technology that will push the metaverse quicker and faster 
than any NFT collection Walmart can create. So to recap this week, the term metaverse is going to mean a lot of things over the next few years. Microsoft is paying $69 billion for Activision Blizzard. Walmart is entering the NFT and crypto space. Ralph Lauren is expanding their NFT products. And Facebook is claiming patents to all sorts of biometric technologies in hopes of building the most advanced ad delivery platform ever known. Now, how's that a start to 2022? This week's cocktail is the Sazerac, and it's relevant this week because of Walmart and Facebook's recent patent and trademark applications. And why, you may ask? Well, because the Sazerac is one of the few trademarked drink recipes. Wait, a cocktail can be trademarked? Well, in fact, it can. There's a handful of trademark drinks, which brands invest legal resources in to secure that cocktail can only be made with their specific liquor, thus controlling the intellectual property rights on the recipe itself. In the case of the Sazerac, it is known as the first ever American-created cocktail, invented in New Orleans over 100 years ago by the Sazerac Spirits Company. The drink name was trademarked and along with it the recipe, and of course requires you to use Sazerac rye whiskey as the main spirit. You can, of course, use whatever rye or bourbon you like. But to stay true to their trademark recipe, it is as follows. One and a half ounces of Sazerac rye whiskey. One sugar cube. Three dashes of Peychaud's bitters. A quarter of an ounce of Herbsaint or other absinthe substitute like Pernod. And a lemon twist. Pack an old-fashioned glass with ice. In a second old-fashioned glass, place a sugar cube and add three dashes of Peychaud's bitters to it. Crush the sugar cube. Add one and a half ounces of the rye to the glass with the bitters and sugar. Add ice and stir. Empty the ice from the first glass and coat the glass with a quarter ounce of the herb saint and discard. Strain the whiskey, bitters, and sugar mixture from the glass into the herb saint coated glass and garnish with a lemon peel. If you haven't had a Sazerac before and you enjoy old fashions or Manhattans, you will really like this cocktail. Some people aren't a fan of the anise flavors of the absinthe or Pernod, but they really shine in the whiskey. And that's the Sazerac, a hundred-year-old cocktail that carries a trademark and maybe one day will have an NFT. I'll be enjoying mine while I try and find a memorable moment to mark in time so 2022 doesn't fly by. And that is another episode of Meta Hour. We'll be back next week with more Metaverse news and happenings, and of course, another Meta Hour cocktail for you to enjoy during your next Meta Hour. If you have questions or want to feature a cocktail you enjoy in the Metaverse, or simply want to say hello, email us at ask at themetahour.com. Help spread the word and hit subscribe on your podcast app. More subscribes helps us get discovered. This has been a production of Meta Hour, produced and written by Ben Stanley. 